We have several people being baptized this afternoon, and I've never done a complete sermon on the sacrament of baptism. And we get people all the time saying, I'd like to be baptized, or I'm thinking about being baptized. And for one thing, it'd be really nice just to have a resource we can send them to. Say, go watch this video, and you'll kind of get our ideas on what baptism is. And so I just wanted to talk about baptism for a while today. It's kind of a peculiar thing if you think about it. The God of the universe could have done any ritual he wanted. He, he could have created any uh, pastime, any, any idea he wanted, and propagated it through the church. And for some reason, he wanted people dunked in water. And it seems like from the time of Jesus on, that has been kind of a central focus of Christian churches everywhere. If, if, when you read in the scriptures, the last words of Jesus, so, so right before Jesus leaves the earth and, and leaves his ministry in the hands of people, he says these words, they call it the Great Commission. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. And he, he includes this word, baptizo in the Greek, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we all know last words are kind of important. So if somebody's about to be gone and they want to say something to you, usually there's extra weight attached to that. And for some reason, Jesus thought it was important that his parting thought had to do with this idea of baptism. And you read in, in Ephesians, Paul says this, he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, so he's a prisoner right now, and he's, he's wanting to urge people to follow Jesus with passion. And he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. So he talks about humility and love and gentleness. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He's talking about unity in the church. And he says, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So when he wants to talk about what Christians are unified around, he's talking about one God, one Lord, one faith. One body, body of believers, people coming together, and he includes one baptism. He includes that in this list of really important stuff. So what you find in Scripture is that there's this, this weight put on this, the sacrament or the procedure of baptism, and you find it all throughout Scripture, all throughout the New Testament. And so if we talk about why, why a person should be baptized, there's several reasons that I want to cover just briefly, and one is just to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. This is a famous old oil painting of Jesus, and Jesus always has a halo in these, all, in these old oil paintings, and always wider than he actually ever was. But I still like the painting, and, and Jesus at one point wanted to be baptized, and we think, why would Jesus need to be baptized? And the guy who baptizes Jesus kind of asks him that question. We read in Matthew chapter 3 where he goes to his cousin John, he says, John, I want you to baptize me. Jesus says this. And John says, he says, so he, John tries to deter him, you see in the second, the second line. He says, seeing I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. So he says, he says Jesus, you, you shouldn't have to be baptized. I should be the one getting baptized. And Jesus follows up. He says, let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. There's a couple things to learn from this. One is that Jesus thought it was important to set the example. That's, that's why Jesus was baptized. He wanted to kind of set the standard for what his followers would be, would be like and what they would do. And so Jesus says, if we, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, which is the literal definition of Christian, then we try to do what he does and be like him and think like him and talk like him and pray like him. And he's, he's, he's the one we look to. And he, from the very beginning of his ministry, wanted to make it clear that this baptism thing is important. And then there's this little line at the bottom. I was, I was raised in a Lutheran church, and I was sprinkled as a child. 
Um, I, I, actually, I was, I was, I was sprinkled um, and then went through confirmation so that I could take communion. And there's, there's a long list of procedures to, to arrive at that point. And, but what you find in this is that Jesus came out of the water. And so you're going to hear me talk about immersion just a little bit today. Now, I, I don't mean to disqualify sprinkling as a child. And, I, and what I believe is that baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality and that the inward reality is the important part. And so I, I'm not trying to discredit infant baptism, but I am going to do my best to illustrate from Scripture that it seems like baptism in Scripture was an immersion of someone who was consenting, someone who knew what they were getting into. And so that's, that's the path I take when it comes to baptism is I, 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 would, I tend towards the idea that you ought to know what you're getting into and that immersion is part of the procedure. Uh, and you'll, you'll see that as we go on. So in the life of Jesus, you see baptism. And then in the life of the disciples, you see baptism. So this is, this is an old oil painting of what they call the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost was a day when all of Jesus' followers were terrified because Jesus had been crucified and brutalized and they were afraid it was going to happen to them. So they were all hiding. And Jesus told them before he died, he said, or before he, before he ascended, he said, he said, go hide. He said, go pray. Go join together and just wait for something to happen. And Pentecost is when that something happened. It describes that the Holy Spirit descended on them like tongues of fire, which you see illustrated in the painting. And they all started speaking in languages that they had never learned. And lots and lots of people were freaked out by that and thought they were all drunk because they were just acting kooky. And, he's, and, and Peter gets up and preaches this sermon and says, listen, you're hearing your own language that we never learned. God is doing a miracle here. It's an amazing thing. And what you find out in this passage is after P Peter preaches this sermon, it says, those who embraced his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the believers that day. That's the kind of thing that we skirt over in Scripture. We say, oh, that's interesting. Just think of the logistics. So these people were cow cowarding, cowarding, cowardly, coward something. They were, they were cowards. They were, they were fearful for their lives and hiding. And suddenly this miracle happens, and they weren't prepared for this. They didn't have a baptismal in place. They didn't have a dunking booth nearby. So all of these people that said, yes, we see the miracle God has done, had to be filed off to a river somewhere, marching in that direction. And I, I did the math this week, and if 10 of them did baptisms at one, two every minute, it would take hours to get through this list of 3,000 people. But for some reason, they thought this is eminently important. As soon as people decided, I'm going to follow Jesus, they said, let's go get you dunked. Let's go get you baptized. Let's do this thing that doesn't kind of, it kind of just doesn't make sense, but they thought it was important. And from the beginning, you see that. You see this guy, Philip, preaching, and he preaches the things concerning the kingdom of God. And it says, the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. In Acts chapter 8, later on in the passage, Philip meets this, this eunuch uh, from Ethiopia in a chariot, and he's, he's reading the Old Testament. And Philip says, what are you reading? And they had this conversation. He tells, tells the Ethiopian about Jesus. He says, I'm on board. Let's do this thing. And then you find in this passage, it says, uh, the, the, the Ethiopian eunuch says, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. The apostle Paul, he was blinded temporarily, miraculously blinded because he was persecuting Christians. And he laid around for three days waiting for somebody to come help him. And when that somebody finally came, this is what we read. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. Crispus, which sounds like a cracker, 
Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. You see a pattern. It's in the book of Acts. You see all this. The Acts are the Acts of the Apostles. So after Jesus left, what the apostles did, they went around proclaiming Jesus and baptizing people. This baptism thing is no joke. It's, it's not something just to be glossed over. Apparently, they thought it was very important. My wife and I were in Ephesus in Turkey. Uh, was it last summer? Recently, anyway, in, in the Cappadocia region. And Cappadocia was the place where the Christians fled during great persecution in like the 300s. And so it's, it's super interesting. You can go for a hike in Cappadocia, and you'll see stuff like this. This is our umbrella. This is a view that we saw. And you see these caves everywhere. I mean, they're just, it's, just, it's just wild how many of these caves there are. You can walk a quarter of a mile, and there will be a cave. And you walk another quarter of a mile, and there will be two caves. And you walk another mile, and there will be eight caves. And there's caves everywhere. And you go into these caves, and there's Christian mosaics all over the walls. And these aren't historic sites. These aren't national parks. Nobody's charging you admission to get in. They're just there. And there's so many of them that there's no need for regulation. You walk in, and there's these mosaics, and this is where the Christians had church. It's just, it's just absolutely fascinating. And one of the really interesting things about these caves is almost every one of them has a baptismal built into it. They would carve these baptismals out of rock. And these baptismals are approximately the size of an adult human being. They're about six or seven feet long about two or three feet deep, or two or three feet wide, and about, about this deep. And so what I, what I took out of that was all these Christians, when they pers were persecuted and fled, they ran to these caves, and some of them are deep. I mean, deep, deep. You walk 150 stairs to get to the bottom of these little, I mean, little passages. My wife, couldn't, my wife has cave claustrophobia issues and couldn't even go down in some of these caves. But they've all got these human-sized baptismals built into them that you can just walk around and see. They're just absolutely everywhere. And so we know that by 300 AD, the Christian church still had this weight on the ceremony of baptism. It's also interesting, the Greek word baptizo literally means to immerse. It means to dunk. That's what the word means. So when you go through the New Testament and you read the word baptism, the Greek word that corresponds to that is dunk, is immerse. And so we call it an outward sign of an inward reality, and I want to talk just briefly about what I think this sign and reality has to do with. And I've shared some of this before in brief, but I wanted to go into more depth today, partially because we have so many people being baptized today and partially so that in the future people can learn easily what we believe. And, so I, I, and I hope to encourage, if you haven't been baptized, that this is a part of being a follower of Jesus. And so first I want to talk about consummation, and I know I've mentioned this maybe twice before in here. My mother had a first marriage before my father, and going into the marriage, she, had, she got cold feet bad right before the marriage to where on her wedding day, she just sobbed and cried because she knew she was making this terrible mistake. But she went through with it. She said, I do. They signed the papers. They went home. But they never consummated the wedding, which means they never had sex. They never made love. And so when, they when she said, I can't do this, this is wrong, I never should have done this, when they separated, it was called an annulment, not a divorce, because the consummation of sexual activity didn't occur. And so an annulment is much easier. Basically, what the government says is that if, it, if the marriage wasn't consummated, then it really wasn't completely finished, is kind of how it's looked at. And so I view baptism kind of like that when it comes to becoming a follower of Jesus. It isn't, it isn't the thing... You know, in the wedding, the wedding, the I do's, the signing the papers is the thing, but then there's the thing after the thing that makes the whole thing the whole thing. 
And, and baptism is kind of like that where Christianity is concerned. You become a follower of Jesus, and that looks different for different people. Some people pray a sinner's prayer, they say. Some people respond to an altar call. Some people give their lives to Jesus or ask Jesus into their heart. There's a thousand ways it's described. But there's some kind of thing that happens between you and God through Jesus. It's you, you surrender. But then the consummation of that surrender is this act of baptism. It's, it's the ceremony that God put in place as a symbol, but also, and as you see, we'll go on, it's a symbol that has like depth of meaning in your life. And so I, I view it like that. Philip, which we just saw in the case of the Ethiopian eunuch. So the Ethiopian eunuch says, I'm on board. I want Jesus. I want the Jesus thing. I want to follow Jesus. Yes, I'll become a disciple. Yes, I'll, become, I'll follow this guy. And then, he, and then as you saw, he says, look, here's water. What's going to stand in the way of me being baptized? It's a consummation. He says, I have become a follower of Jesus, so now I'm looking for water because water is the ceremony. Baptism is the ceremony that follows the commitment. The inner reality is shown through an outer ceremony. It's also symbolic of the end of the road. Jesus taught things like, he who tries to find his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for Jesus' sake will find it. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross and follow me. talks about if, if, we, if, if we are followers of Christ, we become new creations. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. Christianity is essentially a story about death and rebirth. It's about starting over in life. It's about dying to who you are or to who you were, letting go of the past, letting go of control, letting go of your identity in yourself, and embracing Jesus. And it's, 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 a, it's a religion that, you know, that's why Christians wear crosses. The cross is a symbol of death. The cross is a symbol of brutal death. But we wear crosses because we know what follows the death is resurrection. And that's what baptism is a symbol of. It's, it's kind of going down into the grave. Because Jesus could have chosen a hundred ceremonies. For some reason, he chose going down into the water and coming back up out of the water as the one that he wanted in place. And it's symbolic of that, of death and resurrection. We read in Acts chapter 8, the same chapter that we read from earlier, having been buried with him in baptism. So you see, there's that death, buried in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. In Romans 6, it says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? It's an outer showing of I'm dead to me. I'm done. I'm finished. It's no longer my life to live. It's no longer my choices to make, but now I belong to God. And so it's a symbol of that. It's also water is a symbol of purity and washing. And this is a theme that you see throughout Scripture pretty, pretty often is that we are supposed to be transformed. We're supposed to be changed. The junk that's on us is supposed to fall off. The dirt that's on us is supposed to be scrubbed clean. It talks about though your sins be as scarlet, now they will be white as snow. As far as, this, as the east is from the west, so far does God remove our sins from us. And, and, and here at Daylight, I always want to define sin. Sin, we're not talking about a list of bad stuff you did. We're talking about self-dependence. We're talking about frailty. We're talking about weakness. We're talking about mental issues, biological issues that are out of your control that ultimately lead you to, to possible destruction, is that God wants to come in and bring thriving into your life. And what, this, what, what, what these passages tell us is that he wants to clean off the stuff that destroys you, clean off the stuff that leads you down a nasty path, and put you on the right path and clean you up 
And in verse 4 of Romans where, what, that we just read, it says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So, it's not, so baptism is a symbol not just of dying to yourself, but coming back with some kind of new life, some kind of new power that God will give to you. 1 Corinthians 6 says this, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? And if you have questions about what that means, um, I, I would love to talk about it. But it says, This is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And you can read this passage. The passage spells out the kind of people that, that it's talking about. And it is a, an identity thing. It's one thing to do wrong. It's another thing to be a wrongdoer. Those are things we need to parse out in these passages. But you do see this consistent theme that God wants to clean you up, that God wants to change and transform who you are. In Titus, it says this, He saved us not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So baptism is, is symbolic of the beginning of a relationship. It's symbolic of going down to die. But it's also symbolic of coming back up to life, to real life, to sozo life is the Greek word that we talk about in here all the time, to a salvation life, a life that is on a path of human thriving, a life consumed with love. And then finally, it's symbolic of immersion. And this is, this is why, because I, I really don't want to make a big deal out of the sprinkling versus immersion thing except that I do think the immersion part is symbolic towards about something much bigger. We're not, we're not talking about just a taste of Jesus. We're not just talking about a little bit of the kingdom God thrown on you at some point. We're talking about a diving in. We're talking about getting in deep. We're talking about going under. And that's what immersion is. And so if we talk about immersion, what, is it, what does it mean to be immerse, immersed? It means to be consumed, right? It means to have something over you. It means to have something all around you. That It, it becomes all-encompassing immersion. In Galatians 3, it says, Those who were baptized into Christ were clothed with Christ. It means now they're covered with Jesus. It means that He is around them, surrounding them. And your clothes, you've heard the expression, the clothes make the man. The clothes, your clothes, in some sense, sort of define you. The first impressions are going to be made about your clothing. Lasting impressions are going to be made about your clothing. And what this says is when you're baptized, you are covered in Christ. That now first impressions are determined by something different. Now lasting impressions are determined by something different because you have been clothed in Christ. You've been immersed, covered in, sheltered by Christ. In Acts 2, Pentecost, which we read earlier, it, it talks about how 3,000 of them were baptized that day, which is just really wild. It's something to think about. What must that day have been like? The disciples, I don't know that they went into it prepared for what happened. They weren't thinking this was going to happen, but they scrambled. They're like, oh, man, we got all these people that are wanting to follow Jesus. What do we do? Well, we ought to baptize them. Okay, well, there's a river nearby. All right, everybody, come on, let's go. And, I mean, they just had to dunk them one after another. And you can learn a lot about who they would baptize just by thinking that through. A lot of people wonder, will I baptize somebody who's doing this in their life or doing that in their life or believes X, Y, or Z? I don't suspect they had a 20-minute interview with all 3,000 of these people that day. I suspect some people said, I want to follow Jesus. They said, great, let's boom, let's make this thing happen. Let's do this thing and then let, let God sort it out. And so my opinion is, if you'll, if you'll, I'll talk about two questions later. If you're going to follow Jesus and you say you're going to follow Jesus, I'll dunk you. I'm happy to do it and let God sort it out. 
But it says those 3,000 people were baptized, and then it says they devoted themselves to. And then it talks about what they were immersed in after that. What do you, so I want to hear from you guys for just a moment. What are some things that you think these 3,000 people who were baptized were devoted? And if you're familiar with the passage, don't cheat. What should Christians be devoted to? As a follower of Jesus, what are some things that you would be immersed in? Anybody? Prayer, Prayer love, God's word. God's word, charity. Anybody else? Faith. Faith. Right. So, so we all kind of recognize that as a follower of Jesus, we ought to be consumed with stuff, right? Like, like Jack Black says in the clip, your salvation and stuff. You ought to be consumed with some stuff. Well, this is what the passage says. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So the apostles' teaching, they wanted to hear more about Jesus. I, I, think, I think, so when we're talking about baptism, we're not just talking about an event. We're talking about a lifelong pursuit. That is, it's, the, it's the consummation. It's the beginning of the relationship. And then you pursue, pursue stuff. And one of those things is teaching. It's having your head filled with the right stuff. And you can do that by attending church. You can do that through listening to podcasts. You can do that through reading books. But I'm convinced that if you're going to be immersed in Christ, the stuff you feed your brain full of is altered. It's changed. It talks about fellowship. I mean, this is, this is huge. It's fellows in the same ship. It means I started a community. It means I, my, my community, who, who, I, uh, who surrounds my life, is different now. I'm, I'm connecting with people who are also followers of Jesus. And it's talking about an immersion in such a, such a community. It talks about the breaking of bread together, which is, which is the, the sacrament of communion. Now, now there's some ritual introduced in their lives. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're immersed in him. Now things start to change as far as how you spend your time and, and what you do. And then finally, to prayer. A, a person who is immersed in Jesus and baptized in Jesus is a person of prayer, a person who is in communication with God and seeking God. And so it's a consummation. It's the beginning of a relationship. It's symbolic of death and resurrection. It's symbolic of a cleaning and washing and purity. But then it's also symbolic of an all-consuming immersion. It's not just a ceremony. There's some power involved in baptism. I, uh, I think I've shared the story of my, my second baptism in here before. And if that pe- rose people the wrong way, man, I'm, I'm happy to talk to you personally and talk about why I made the decisions I did. But when I was in college, I started really reading the Bible and, and came to the conclusion that I wasn't following Jesus kind of the way the Bible described. And so I wanted to be baptized again. I was sprinkled as an infant, but I wanted, I wanted to be immersed as, as like my personal choice. And I don't know if that was an act of rebellion against my past or what it was, but it's, it's a decision I wanted to make. And so I told my campus pastor I want to get baptized, and we went out, and it was about 50 degrees that day. It was a cold day, and we drove to the lake and pulled off on this little gravel road and drove down a long ways and ended up at this, this lake that was filled, uh, surrounded by riprap and pulled the car up, and it was, it was probably 11 o'clock at night. It was, it was nighttime, and it was cold, and we stepped out into the water, and it, I mean, it was cold water. And I started thinking, this is really dumb, and we're trudging out there through it. And I found out that we had picked a part in the lake that didn't get deep very quickly. And so we ended up walking out so far. And then it gets to this point, and every man knows what I'm talking about. You're like, and it gets to right there. And we finally got up to about right here, and I'm like, this is it. Let's do it. Let's do it right, 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 right here, here. And we're out there. And so we've got the car parked with the lights out on the lake. 
And that's, that's where we are, is in the beams of the light. And another car pulls up next to mine and shines its beams right on us. Have I told this story in here before? Well, you didn't hear it? Well, I'm going to talk to you guys then because you're, you're my favorites right now. This other car pulls up and a guy gets out and says something like, what are you guys doing? And it's one of my buddies from church camp growing up. So this is me in the white shirt. This is my buddy that looks like Luke Perry from 90210. This is Ryan Engler. Ryan lives in Louisville now. And Ryan Engler, and this was his story. This is not my story. This is his story, and he'll still tell you this story. We can have him in here and he'll tell it to you himself. His story is that he was driving through Land Between the Lakes that day, and God told him to pull down this gravel road. He's just driving down, and he says he knew he had to pull down this road. And this is a buddy that I knew from Lutheran church camp back in the day that was attending Murray State at the same time I was. And he pulls up, and his beams are right on me, and he sees me out there getting baptized. And he will tell you that to this day, his greatest life's regret is that he did not get baptized that day because he just knew God was calling him. He just knew, but he didn't. He just watched and observed and gave me a, a big wet hug when it was all over and uh, went on his way. And it wasn't until many years later that he was baptized and, and committed his life to Jesus. But I think, I think there's something more to the ceremony of baptism than just a ceremony. I don't know if you guys have heard the story of Frank Turner, but Frank Turner was a news reporter in Detroit, Michigan. And so 1.5 million people watched, watched this guy every day on the news, and they heard his whole story. And his story goes like this. He, 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 he started using drugs when he was young, so for 25 years he had been addicted to substances of some sort. And for 22 of those years he had a weekly... He, he, he described it as a weekly habit of smoking pure cocaine, and it cost him about $2,000 a week. So he was spending $8,000 to $10,000 a month smoking cocaine. He'd also racked up thousands of dollars of phone sex charges on his credit card, and basically his life just kind of collapsed around him. 1.5 million people in Detroit knew this story because he was fired from the broadcast. He was removed from his position because his life was a mess. He couldn't get it together. Uh, just a shambles. Well, he met, he met someone who invited him to church, and there, there's a lot longer story than this. He has a book you can read. But he eventually was baptized. He eventually gave his life to Jesus, and he was still, he was still using, he was, his life was still a mess, but he, he wanted to surrender his life to Jesus. So he went to get baptized, and his testimony is, his story is that when he was baptized, God did something to him. And he had this physical and psychological addiction to drugs, he claims that when he went down and came back up, that addiction had vanished, and he never touched the stuff again. It was, a, it was a physiological miracle, a biological and mental miracle that occurred in his life. And now, the, the really interesting end of the story is 1.5 million people in the Detroit area know that part of the story because he was restored to his position as a broadcaster, and they gave him a segment at the end of each episode of the news where he could say anything he wanted. They called him the, the, the newscaster evangelist for a long time. And he would talk openly about Jesus. And because so many people knew his story, he had like this freedom to say what he wanted. He didn't always talk about Jesus every single time, but he talked about good faith. He talked about serving humanity. He talked about positive, good stuff. And it was his little 45 segment or 45 second segment because people had seen his story. And his story is that his baptism was a miracle. And so I, that's not my story, that's his story. 
But in Romans 6, which we've been quoting from, it says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism. And if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. If you skip to the bottom, it says that we know since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. And in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. It said when Jesus was resurrected, power happened, and he's, he's not going to die again. Death was no longer his master. He couldn't be beaten by death again. And then it says, you're the same way. It says, you can't lose. It says, if you will embrace Jesus and follow him, miracles happen. So logistically, you want to take the plunge. What does that look like? I'm going to, t- I'm going to describe how we handle this thing at Daylight Church. Okay? You want to get dunked. Who can do it? Where do you do it? When do we do it? What's the ceremony look like? Number one, I want to encourage you to come as you are. This, a lot of people want to ask, what do I do to prepare for baptism? My take is you decide you want to follow Jesus. I really think it's that simple. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, let him do the work in your life. And so you come as you are. You don't have to do anything special. If you want to, if you want to fast and pray and seek God and whatever else it is you want to do, that's fine. But I think you come as you are, who you are. I want to encourage you to invite your friends. This is a public ceremony of a transformation of life from death to life. What, what are we looking at here, Lacey? Me. Oh, you know, there you are. Isn't that great? Okay. <laughs> I want to encourage you to bring the stuff. And what I mean by that is you need a towel and a change of clothes. Um, now, I will dunk you regardless, and I'll get you, your own, I'll get you one of my towels if you need one. But it's easiest to show up with a change, get some, some clothing that you're comfortable getting wet in and then some clothing that you can change into and a towel to dry off. Now, here's, here's kind of the big thing is answer the questions. Um, and not everybody is going to stand up in front of everybody and give a speech like Ronnie here did. But um, I'm going to ask you two questions. I'm going to ask you, have you become a follower of Jesus? And with his help, do you intend to follow him for the rest of your life? That's all I'm going to ask you. And if you can answer yes to those two questions, I'm happy to baptize you. If you answer no to either of those questions, then I would, I would prefer that you go away and think about the answers and decide one day that you might want to. But the, the, the real question is, are you going to follow Jesus? Is that your goal? If it is, I'm happy to baptize you. And then what you see in this picture is, if you want it, when we do a baptism, this is my hot tub in my backyard. Um, and, and actually, my hot tub broke this weekend, and so right now it's a cold tub. So if those of you getting baptized today, it's going to be a hoot. Um, <laughs> I, I, took, I took the lid off and left it in the hot sun, and I pull, poured boiling water in it, and I will continue to pour boiling water in it through the, the, the afternoon before we have the baptism, but it still might be pretty dang cold. Um, but Ronnie, I, I, I will give you the opportunity, should you want it, to share with the people who are gathered there why you are being baptized. You don't have to take that opportunity. If you're nervous, if you're shy, if, if you're just not even really sure, you just know that you, it's something you want to do, you don't have to share at all. But if you want the opportunity, that opportunity will be there. And then you get dunked. And I want to show you a video of a church and how they dunk to show you how I am not going to dunk. If you really want me to, I will. So, so I interviewed that pastor uh, for a magazine article a couple years ago, or a year ago or so, 
and they caught a ton of flack over this. And what happened is the first guy said, man, I want you to power slam me. He was a wrestler. You saw how big the dude was, and apparently they lifted together. He said, when you baptize me, I want you to power slam me. He said, all right, man, I'll do it. And they did it, and then a lot of people were like, that's how I want mine done. <laughs> and so, and so the, it kind of became a trend that he would ask them, do you want me to dunk you or do you want me to slam you? Like it became part of their ceremony. And people were like, slam me, man, slam me. <laughs> Well, I mean, this thing saw 30 million views online, and people were up in arms about how, you know, non-sacred it was. And, and so there's a, there's a follow-up video with him explaining that whole thing. But I just thought it was funny and that you guys would enjoy it. But I, I will slam you if you want to be slammed, but I'm not going to ask you that question. You're going to have to approach me, all right? Uh, no, what, what's going to happen is I'm going I'm to say, are you a follower of Jesus? Do you intend to follow him the rest of your life? If you say yes, I'm going to say, based on the confession of your faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to encourage you to hold your nose. You're going to cross your arms, and I'm going to tilt you back in the water as a symbol of death and rebirth. It's, it's a pretty simple procedure. But then I want to encourage you to stay immersed. This is not a one-time gig. This, is, this, this whole thing is an outward sign of an inner reality, and I want to encourage you that that inner reality needs to to move forward in your life, and that it's, it's a consummation, it's something that you start, it's the beginning of a relationship, it's kind of the ceiling of a relationship, it's symbolic of death and rebirth, it's symbolic of purity, and it's symbolic of immersion. And so it's not just a let's do something today thing and then just go on with life as, as if life has never changed. This is, this is a new beginning in a person's life, and we encourage you to follow that new beginning and to walk it out. So I have one scriptural question to ask you before we close, and it's really interesting in Acts. These people said, I want to be a follower of Jesus, and then the disciple says this. He says, well, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. I've, talk, I've talked to a lot of people over the last few years that say, I kind of want to get baptized. I kinda, I'm thinking about getting baptized. Now, we will wait. If you, if you tell me, I wanna, if today you meet me and say, hey, I want to be baptized, and you weren't prepared to be baptized today, we can give you a couple weeks because I encourage you to have your friends and family there. I think, I think it's, it's a nice opportunity for them to see what's going on in your life, to see this new change that's occurring in your life. So I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying don't ever delay a baptism, but it does seem that there was this immediacy with the disciples. When somebody became a follower of Jesus, they said, man, let's get you dunked. And so today we're going to do a baptism. I think we've got you know, a handful of people that want to be baptized. And if, if this is you, if you say, I haven't been baptized, I've been thinking about it, I'm going to quote the passage of Scripture that says, why think any longer? Why are you, what, what are you waiting for? God, God has already given the invitation. If you're serious about this thing where you're going to be a follower of Jesus, it's an outward sign of that inward reality, and I want to encourage you to get dunked and get dunked today.